Welcome to Run It Again, Episode 4. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Marks. Coming up, we'll discuss the importance of training for training camp. Should early entrants into the pro leagues be able to return to college if undrafted? And the new NFL incentivized minority hiring proposal. Did they get it right or is it half wrong? Don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. You're listening to a Benstown and McVay Media Podcast Network production. We'll be back after this message. There are families that will go hungry tonight. Every day, people who have been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic. The need is greater than ever before, and your neighbors need your help. Donate today to support communities facing hunger during this time of uncertainty. Every dollar you give can provide at least 10 meals to children and families in need through the Feeding America network of food banks. Please make a donation today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Get ready for the Learn Again podcast. Huddle up! Huddle up! Every week, you'll be hearing stories that take you beyond the daily sports grind with unique insight from former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. Just feels like the college football season discussion gets more and more complicated. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on earth, Super Bowl winning coach Mike Martz. I do think professional sports has such an impact on the American psyche that I think everybody's going to want to try and get this up and running in some version of it. We'll connect you directly to the source and tell you what's really going on. The biggest issue is, and I think this is important, is they're not exposed to family either. Oh boy, that's going to be interesting. With conversations and tales from guys on the inside. So click the button to subscribe for free and you'll get episodes sent straight to your phone every week. It's Run It Again. So last night we had a little event at the dinner table. Uh, Babs made uh, a bean dish, and uh, you know, typically when I make the bean dish, it's 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 outstanding, it's award winning. Whoa! Yeah, when I make the dish, but I didn't make the dish like I just said, and uh, not sure what happened, but you know what? If those beans were a player, it, they would have failed the physical and been sat, sent back to their original team. Really? Nah, it, it was it was uh, it was pretty bad. So wow. Yeah, we we were on our case pretty bad. You know, it was this. Well, if you took a picture of Julie, you took a picture of me side by side. It wouldn't take you very long to figure out who the better cook is. <laughs> Julie, yeah, 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 yeah. Right, right. Yeah, no, I I, I figured that, man. I I pretty much figured that. But anyways. But it's dangerous. We have three boys in the house, and you make beans. <laughs> you gotta open up those windows, Ron. <laughs> Yeah, keep those windows wide open. Yeah. At least in our household, you know, yeah. those three boys were in high school and college. Boy, they come home and she has a real nice bean dish that she makes, and yeah, yeah, it's not good. No, no, it's not, not good. Yeah, my my oldest son said, "Yeah, these these beans, uh, they, maybe they should have been franchise tagged. They would have oh. gotten over much better than that." Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness! So. Well, um, I guess we need to talk about this uh, NFL minority hiring issue because it is, it's a heated issue, and it was discussed last week. And the NFL, as of today, as of right now, they're presenting a pair of resolutions during the NFL virtual owners meeting. 
and the NFL is going to discuss amending the existing Rooney Rule. And for those of you listening that don't know what the Rooney Rule is, it was a rule uh, to promote minority hiring from from within and at the coaching level and at the uh, front office level, so on and so forth. It's named after former Pittsburgh Steeler owner, <clears throat> excuse me, the late Dan Rooney, uh, instituted back in 2004. And it basically was going to require more interviews uh, for minority candidates, uh, like I said, for head coaching, coordinator positions, so on and so forth. So that's what they have amended. And now they're going back to officially present a new proposal in, in that vein. Here's the twist. They are reemphasizing the minority head coach and GM hiring through an incentivization program. So in other words, uh, we're not asking you to do it this time. We're not hoping you do it this time. We are going to give you little rewards to do it. And that in and itself, Mike, for me personally, that is problematic at, at very, very best. It's problematic because why in 2020, after, remember, the Rooney Rule was set forth uh, back in 2004. So why in 2020 are we even having this discussion still? And then why do we have to incentivize the discussion? There's something wrong. There's something missing. And it, it definitely needs to be addressed. But I don't know that that particular way to handle it is going to work. In fact, I, I, I know it's not going to work. I don't like it. I feel uncomfortable with it. You know, Ron, it's like putting a diamond earring in a pig's ear. He's still a pig and it looks out of place, you know. Um, right. I think, you know, they're, they're hitting around all the different avenues, but they're not solving the problem. They're coming up with all these ideas, but everybody's dancing around the fact. And, and actually, Tony Dungy, I heard him say this, uh, I think this morning on a, on a radio show. He said something to the effect of the owners need to sit down and, and submit on a piece of paper or however they do it, exactly what they're looking for in a head coach. And what he politely was getting at is you can do what you can make all these, uh, legislative, declarations and say we're going to hire or we're going to interview at least two minority candidates for every head coach and at least one for every coordinator, which is what right. you're talking about. And right. more portability from uh, you know team to team and assistance, which is really a good thing and it should happen. But the, the fact of the matter is every head coach in the National Football League signs off on who they hire as a head coach. Excuse me, every owner signs off on every head coach that's hired. They have the right of refusal on every one of them. So the one, the one owner that stood up and said, we need to do something about this. He did. He hired Mike Tomlin, 33 years old, interviewed him and hired him mm-hmm. for, for things to ever change. It is absolutely positively in ownership's lap. You have 32 different, vastly different personalities and approaches to the business of the National Football League, but ultimately, Unless it's really important to them, you can do all this all you want. It's just not going to change anything. So ownership has got to step up and they've got to, you know, they've got to put one, the step forward where they take the challenge and they actually act on it. 
instead of pushing off, well, the president wants this guy and, you know, this, that, and the other thing, they push it aside. But ultimately, they're making that decision. That's that's one thing. The other thing that I see is these candidates for being a head coach from the minority uh, assistant coaches in the league, uh, they, they get their opportunities. I think this is really good with the two, you know, two interviews. You know, obviously that should help. But the population of minority coaches is not what it needs to be. You know, there's just not as many coming into that field of coaching. And I know that sounds strange, but, you know, for instance, when I was at the, when I I took that job at AAF and we hired the staff down here and I was trying to hire the eight assistants and, Mm -hmm. and, uh, I was trying to find, I was going to try and hire as many uh, minority coaches as I could because I, I really felt like, that league, that's what that was for. You're trying to promote that and develop these guys as well as players, right? It's right. a developmental league for coaches and particularly minority coaches because there's just not enough of them. I couldn't – it was hard. I ended up uh, hiring – or I offered six and hired four, and none of those four were in coaching. They're in coaching now, but none of them were in coaching. Wow. And when I was at uh, the Rams, I had the same opportunity to hire Pat Carter – Played tight end in the league, a good friend. I really yep. had great passion for the game. Henry Ellard hired him as a wide receiver. These guys, uh, these guys weren't in coaching. So there, there's the disconnect there. Some of these guys that have great passion for the game that have played in the NFL, there's a population of coaches that are going to come out of former players and then from the NC2A. They come up through college football. That's the way I came. All right. So at, in both levels, there has to be a better uh, – I got what's the word I'm looking for? A better uh, – you have to reach out better to former players and encourage them. A better you know, network a, of discovery. Yes. yes. Right. And then college football has got to respond to this as well because there's a, a major inequity there as well that nobody talks about. So I think those – you have to approach it from that end. The ownership's got to do their job. They've got to step up and put their foot down and be involved with this, and, and they've got to pull the trigger. There's no question about that. They can dance around and make all these rules, this, that, and the other thing, but ultimately it comes down, it's in their lap. Yeah, yeah. But to, to make sure that they've got really the quality, enough quality candidates, et cetera, because I don't know how many there really are, then, you know, there's got to be a system where you promote this, and you got to encourage a lot of these guys that have played at a high level, these great personalities, Brilliant guys. I always felt Marshall Falk would make a great president, GM, or head coach in the league. Right. Now, right. why somebody hasn't reached out and trying to foster that? He's, he owns six businesses. You know, Hall of Fame guy. He's one of the sharpest people I've ever met. How is he not involved in the league? You know, guys like that, they're ha- they've got to do a better job of reaching out and trying to include these guys, you know. And and I did this, Ron. I don't know if you know this. Remember when we coached together at the NFLPA bowl game out there? Yeah, yeah. I talked to the Players Association and and the NFL, the programs director at the NFL. I won't tell you who it was, but I talked to both both of them at different times, and and I really asked them what they thought about perhaps a two or three week kind of a graduate course, if you will, maybe five days a week for two to three weeks of where you get all these Tony Dungy kind of uh, myself or whoever's retired that's been a head coach. Where you can sit down, you can mentor these guys, and you can help them 
you know, encourage them to get into the league and to, you know, what it's like to move from assistant to a coordinator to being a head coach. And what do you have to do? What do you, how do you talk to the team? You right. just get in there. You know what I mean? There's, that was, though, I had those discussions with Chuck Knox and other head coaches unsolicited. They told me, you know, so I was, you know, I got a preparation in that respect that I'm not sure some of these guys get. But there are so many former players out there that would make terrific coaches that aren't in it that I think we're missing the boat on. So 2004, that's the, the, the installation of the Rooney Rule. And again, just so everyone understands, that, that was basically a strong way of the NFL suggesting that you look harder at minority coaches and you consider uh, that talent pool out there because guys like Mike Tomlin, and you already mentioned Tony Dungy, but guys like Mike Tomlin benefited from that program and went on to win championships. So the talent base is there, and, and that was the, the main reason for the rule. But the, the upsetting part is we are now 16 years later, and not only has that program failed, but now we have to come up with another program. So, so Ron, but, but the point is, who is that rule talking to? Well, that the rule was talking to themselves. The rule, right. It's, the rule, not, yeah. it's supposed to be talking to the owners, but the owners right. aren't listening. No, the owners, they, they, the owners they, I was there. They voted on this. They thought it was great. They stood up and applauded. It was wonderful. Yeah. And then, and then, but, but this rule is for them. The, yeah. the rule is for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, so you've got to get front office people, the presidents, the general managers. There there has to be right. uh, more minority people in those roles. They've got yeah. to they have to the owners have got to do that. It starts with them. It really does. And, you know, Tony yeah. was very, very cool and, and very good at how he, you know, presented that. But basically, that's what he was saying. It's in their lap. Yeah. And, and, and he, he's right. It's in their lap. And so, Mike, now I go to this program because around the time that you hired me not only to coach the NFL PA game there with you, but I also did a year in scouting because I wanted to get into scouting and, 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 and possibly into the front office business, okay? So this was, I'd say, about, I don't know, two or three years after I stopped working at Fox Stop Broadcasting. And there is an internship program that was developed by a former NFL scout, a black NFL scout, who coincidentally used to be on the road with my father, Elijah, as a scout. And they, they became pretty good buttons, buddies. It's called the Nunn-Wooten uh, Scouting Program. And so I went to the scouting program. And basically what the scouting program does is it sends you to an NFL team and you basically go through a training program. You go through maybe... Uh, like I went through all of training camp with the Buffalo Bills and it, it's great. You know, they sit you down and you're mentored and they teach you the business uh, f- from the bottom up. But the problem with that is after I completed that, that, that internship and I did that year of coaching with you and then another year with the NFLPA, nothing happened. I sent a letter, and I think we talked about this a lot. I sent a letter and called every NFL team. Now, damn, I'm co- I come from NFL lineage. lineage. Yeah, okay, I'm not just some clown off the street, okay? And forget the minority part. I, I have the skill set. I've played the game. I grew up in this game. 
Hell, I met Vince Lombardi when I was five years old. I, I mean, I, I, I'm a part of this game and what the NFL represents. I couldn't get a callback. I, I think I, out of 32 teams, I got a callback from two GMs, and one of those was black. One of those was Reese up in, in New York who had recently gotten fired. That, those were my two callbacks. So if that's what I'm going through, I can only imagine, and I know for a fact, because I, I remember my father, Elijah, went through it as a coach long before. This was long before the Rooney Rule was, was instituted. So if, if he went through it, I'm still going through it, how do we keep getting back to this place? And I guess it speaks back to what you're saying, Mike. Until the attitudes change from the people that own the business and own this thing, we're just going to keep spinning our wheels in purgatory. No question. No question. You know, and, you know, that when they passed the Rooney rule, it was like, you know, we're telling these guys that they got, well, these guys are them. We're going to tell these, these guys that they, they yeah. need to interview. Yeah. Well, they're talking to themselves because like I said, they're, they put the final okay on whoever they hire as a head coach. Some are way, some do the interviewing are involved in some aren't, you know, every club has their own, their own way of hiring a head coach. There's 32 different ways going about it. Yeah. Yeah. But they all it, are going to sign off on it. They're all going to sign off on it, right. And when, when my father was coaching, now he was there with the Rams staff from, he stopped scouting with the Packers in 73 and took the, his first NFL head job as a running back coach with the Los Angeles Rams under, under then a very young Chuck Knox and, and his staff. And he stayed in that position for about five years. The staff got fired, went back to Buffalo. You know, he believed in, in, in Chuck Knox and his, and his, and his, uh, his, uh, his theories and the way he coached. And, and he went back to Buffalo with him. But it became clear that he wasn't going to get a shot to be an offensive coordinator. And then, if you weren't an offensive coordinator, you definitely weren't going to get a shot to be a head right. coach, especially as right. a minority. Went down, went down to Houston, chased that. You know, they were, was told, oh, you're, we're going to give you a shot as offensive coordinator. Never got the shot as an offensive coordinator. He passed away in 98, about a year or so before the change really started to come. Guys like Tony Dungy uh, were, and were, were given the head coaching shot. Dennis Green was given the head coaching shot. And, and even slightly before them, you remember uh, Art Shell. Art Shell is the first black head coach I can remember you know, in the modern era, so to speak, in the time when I, when I played and, and you, were, you were coaching and started coaching. So, but my point is, how did, we, how did we start there? And now in 2020, we still have to try and fix this and revisit that. And, and it's just, it's upsetting. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing for a league that has so much upside in so many other ways and has so much money and power that they can't get this right. And I don't think they get it right because they don't want to get it right. It goes back to those guys that are making the decisions. And a lot, I think ownership uh, for the most part will want to reflect on the front office people that they're not doing this, Yeah, but they're involved yeah. in it. So with the front office people, that's got to change. The, the face of that's got to change a little bit. And not for the sake of just minorities, because there's too many qualified guys like you're talking about your dad that never get the opportunity. So it's not like they're not qualified. And I just don't, 
I, I don't know how you change the front office you, unless it starts with ownership. They've got to change the whole attitude of that and their approach to it. And making these rules and making the interviews, that's fine. You know, that, that that's a good start and the portability is good. This thing about the draft pick is is ridiculous. That's a Band-Aid. The it, package, doesn't mean, yeah. It, it's yeah. embarrassing to no, me. That's, it's that's it's the just thing embarrassing. That, yeah. yeah, that's the you thing. Know, trying to issue. legislate that. It's just when they're, they're, they're conning everybody – to the point where, you know, I, you know, it's your fault, not mine kind of a deal. You, you guys got to do a better job of doing it when they're the ones basically responsible. It's like in, in, in high school, you go to the dance, okay, and there's, you know, beautiful girl or guy, let me be politically correct, whatever the case is, and, and there's nothing wrong with this person, okay, and you know, she's dressed up great and she looks great and you know, she's a straight A student and she's the kind of young lady you'd bring home to mom and dad. And she's got one issue for whatever reason, and that's her last name. For whatever reason, no one likes her last name. So as a result, no one will dance with her. So now the, the principal comes in and says, hey, I'm going to give you an extra three cups of spiked punch if you go dance with her. Oh, okay. And then people start dancing with her. It, it, it makes that person a mark. These coaches have to come in there. Let's say someone does get, in high, get hired based on this incentive package. But out of the corner of everyone's eye in that facility, they're looking at them like, well, we really know the real reason you're here. And that's just demoralizing. You can't do that to people who are there because they're good enough to be there, not because of an incentive package. That's that's what just kills this proposal in my right. eyes. Right. They have to be there based on merit, and that's that's the best way to do it. So, did this did this individual, whoever it might be, is he there because that's the best choice? That's the way it should be, not because of anything else, you know. And but you can. The problem is not is. Some of these guys are eliminated because of, instead of included because of, you know, that mm, kind of thing. Point. So yeah, good point. I think, you know, is talking about the ownership, <laughs> yeah, talking about an example. When I was at San Jose State in 75 as young receiver coach, Gerald Rogers, we were playing the University of Pacific in Chester Caddis. A few years before that, I was playing for Daryl. And we were losing the Pacific at the end of the game, 14 to nothing. He called timeout with a few seconds left on the clock and kicked a field goal to beat us 17 to nothing. So now we're playing, and uh, I'm, we're at San Jose State, and I'm coaching for him now. So he moved from Fresno to San Jose. Now we're playing Pacific. Chester's still there. Half the team, half the starters on that team ended up playing in the NFL. Carl Eckern, Dwayne Osteen, Gerald mm-hmm. Small, et cetera, et cetera. That's a yeah. great football team. And there are Pacific's on the other side. It's 49 nothing at the end of the fourth quarter. <laughs> Daryl walks out, and I'll never forget that I'm standing on the sideline, and he, and he tells – he tells Eddie Luther, the quarterback, he says, listen, um, call three plays. I want Jimmy LeJay, who ran a 10-200 meter, to run down the sideline. You throw it as far as you can, but don't complete it. Just overthrow him each time. Yeah. Because wow. we're going to send Chester a message, right? But he said, I'm going to stand on the sideline. I'm going to scream and yell. Hey, what are you doing? Don't throw it. Just run it. But you just keep doing that. <laughs> right. It was starting saying, it's kind of like I feel like this. here's what's going on. Here's what you really – but the lip service, you know what I mean? It's just, it's different. You know, what you, I hear what you do, not what you say. Yeah. You know, you got to step up. Yeah. Yeah. Ownership is, just got to step up and change some of the dynamics of the front office, not because they're minority, but because there's 
because they're qualified and they're not getting the opportunity. Part of me says rules won't help. Like we've just learned that, okay, from 16 years of this. Plus, now what has to change, which is probably what always has to change in situations like this, is people's hearts and minds. And until those are willing to change, we'll be right back here another 20 years later. And I, I hope, I hope for the sake of if my kids get a chance to play, or my grandkids or whatever, you know, you you have grandkids in the league in some capacity, Mike, I, I hope it's, uh, I hope it's all change and we're not having this discussion when, when their generation grows up. Well, at this point, if I've got grandkids playing in the league, they're taking women in the league. So I don't yeah. have any <laughs> all my girls. So, but I think, I think you're right. They're just the whole, the whole attitude, the dynamics of how business is done there is kind of like right. that, you know, the San Jose state deal, you know, it, They've got to be bold and step forward and, and uh, yeah. interview them and pull the trigger. Yeah, yeah. And this was all sparked because of one of five coaching vacancies during the offseason was filled by a minority, which continued the trend in which just three of the past 20 openings have gone to a minority. So it's it's an ongoing pattern that uh, they're, they're trying to address, but we've got to come up with a different way. But you go back to Dan Rooney, though, Ron. He pushed this it was because it was the right thing to do. Yep. And then yep. he interviewed, he interviewed, and he didn't expect to hire Mike Tomlin. He was the best interview. He was yep. the best interviewed. He hired him at 33 years old. And that's, that should be the model that's used in the league. You don't have to hire him because he's a minority. You, yep. hire, you get him in the interview, you hire him because he was the best guy you interviewed. That's, that's the problem, right? The best guy. We're not getting the best, the best people. There. Right. It, 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 They're it, not it, getting it, a chance. It, it, Terry Rubisky, been in the league for 30 years, played 10 or 11 mm-hmm. years in the league. He can't get an interview. He hasn't been able right. to get an interview for 20 years. Right. Yep. Yep. That's a shame. And there's many Terry Robisky-type stories out there. Sure there is. Sure. We, we, we talk about the, the candidates uh, that, are, that are out there, and their name has been thrown around, the Eric B. Enemies and – Chris Richards and Robert Sala and Byron Leftwiches. I, I got it. But we're also seeing some serious cronyism. And I, that, I know that sounds laughable, but when you look at the numbers and you look at the hirings, it's not laughable anymore. It's, it's factual. It seems, Ron, that the NFL, the, are, they're looking at these young guys that have analytics as a background, very little experience, but they're very bright. They don't have a whole lot of people's skills because they've never been in a leadership role and they fast, they put them on a fast track to being coordinator or a head coach and they're just not ready for it. And they're passing by all these guys that have, that are experienced and perhaps minorities like Terry, uh, Eric Bienemy and some of those guys because this is kind of a fad. And what happens, you get these young guys in there, they're not going to hire older guys. You know, unless an organization does it for them, they're going to try and surround themselves in key areas with their their cronies, guys that they mm-hmm. feel comfortable. They're not going to challenge them because ultimately there's so much that they're not prepared for. They don't know and they don't want somebody digging into that on the same staff. So, right. you know, they're, they're safer with somebody more their age. And I think that's kind of what's happened is you've kind of dumbed down some of that because you, you're getting a lot of guys that don't have a whole lot of experience, you know, and some of them you hit. You know, some of them absolutely hit. The Rams hit. You know, New Orleans hit, you know. Yeah, yeah. But you're going to go through a whole bunch of them before you yeah. get there, you know. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. A whole bunch of one and dones, two and dones. And we've seen yeah. a lot of that lately. All right, Coach, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more Run It Again after this message. Not too long ago, there were people who never dreamed they would need help feeding their families. But then the pandemic hit, and their income suddenly stopped, leaving them with no means to buy food. These are people you know, your neighbors, but you can help. If you donate just $1, you can provide at least 10 meals for these people through the Feeding America network of food banks. Imagine what $10 would do, or even $20. Please donate today at feedingamerica.org. Thank you. Run It Again is an inside look at the players, the coaches, and the business of sports with former NFL star and broadcaster Ron Pitts. And two minutes later, I was back in the same Oklahoma drill that I got the concussion from. And the mastermind behind the greatest show on turf, Coach Mike Marks. And we wanted to force him into a vanilla defense and go to work. Run It Again is a hard-hitting, no BS podcast that connects you directly to the source. This is Run It Again. All right, Mike, speaking of training for training camp, well, the uh, NFL facilities opened back up, uh, are supposed to start opening back up, that is, on, a, on what they call a gradual and deliberate level, if the states they're in allow it. Now, that's, that's a big carrot right there because not every state, as we know, is, is allowing that wholesale opening up. California, one of them, uh, that they've, they've got some places that still are not open to everyone, but... Arizona, Florida, they're wide open. Those are play ball states. That's what I'm calling them because it looks like more and more leagues are saying, hey, we're going to go to Arizona. And even colleges now, Mike, are starting to talk about, well, if we're not, you're not going to let us play here, well, then we're going to pack up, go out of state so we can play. Wow, that's interesting. It's expensive for colleges to have to do that. But, you know, you and I were talking a few weeks ago, Ron, about how hard it would be for college football to play. And we're looking at, uh, I think, June 1, Iowa's going to actually start some spring practice, some form of it. And I was reading, uh, I guess, Oklahoma. Uh, they said that they don't want to start until July 31st. There's such an inequity. California state system comes out and says, hey, can't be on campus. It's all going to be online now, education. And then you got the NC2A president saying, well, you can't play if you're online. you got to be on campus. It's a mess. Yeah, that, that's You know, there's mess, different yeah. – everything is so different. Everybody's got – and the NC2A doesn't have a grip on this at all. Yeah. Now, the California state schools, they've been told that they will not play. Okay. And that, that, that doesn't include everyone and, and people. Well, that's interesting because I yeah. do know I do know some people at Fresno State that have been told that the, there's a chance that they are going to play. Ah, uh, see. Right. Yeah. This is the type of uh, differences we've been hearing over and over you'll hear one thing from a governor, you'll hear another thing from a mayor, and hear something completely different from the dean of a school. It's just, it's confusing to me right now. Very. Yeah. Okay, so the Rams and Chargers are okay in California, mainly because they're out of the L.A. city limit. Anything inside the Los Angeles city limit, those, those haven't been open. Those facilities are still in quarantine lockdown, so they... They couldn't use it, but since they're outside, training-wise, they're okay. The problem now comes if, if those same restrictions are right. still going when it's time right. to play football. Well, the damn stadium is in the city. But so, I think the lockdown in the counties uh, 
through August, is it not? Is that how? I, 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 I believe that's right. I believe yeah, that's so right. Yeah, so I've been missing preseason games, but yeah, uh, so, they'll have yeah. to do something about that. But it looks like once the regular season would start, based on what I know about the, you know, reading, just reading what you read, right? That, you know, they've extended this through, you know, uh, August right up to September 1st. So perhaps then they can start the season, but they'll have to do something for preseason games, obviously. So the league announced they are bringing in a facilities hygienist. And what this hygienist will supposedly do is help make sure everyone is clean in the facility. What do you think of that? How do you do that? <laughs> I mean, how do you measure that? I mean, what do you, how do you know if it's clean or not? And I guess you come out like, like uh, the bug man does and spray the house and all that, but put a, put a balloon over it. How do you know? How do you know whether it's, you got ah, everything, you know? I mean, yeah. And why do you need an expert? What's he going to test? I, I, Can't you just have your guys spray it down real good? I mean, how do you, I, I guess this person is going to walk around kind of like the uniform check guy on Sundays. This person is going to walk around or a group of people will walk around and say, uh, no, no, you you didn't wipe your hands. Wipe your hands again. You didn't you didn't wash your hands for twenty seconds. You only got nineteen point five. Ron, I got a new job. I'm not going to do these sprinklers anymore. I'm headed up there. I'm gonna put one of those little suits on and I'm gonna start spraying facilities. There's got to be a little money in that, don't you think? That's right. That's exactly right. I, I definitely think you should try that out and be careful bending over because of your back. We well, don't yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, listen, Big Phil, I can't even see my shoes anymore, so bending over is just the last of my worries. Oh, it's not that bad, Mike. It's not that bad. I'm going to come down there. We're going to swing the club. Are you kidding? I got a beard, and I keep telling everybody everybody comes up to me and and tells me what they want for Christmas, for crying out loud. I have to shave the rest of the beard off and keep the mustache. Oh, man, you're a funny guy. Let's take a closer look. All right, our last topic of the day. Uh, college sports big-time dilemma right here. Undrafted, should a player be allowed to go back to college and continue his degree if he comes out, he or she comes out early and isn't drafted? Attempts to get into the draft, isn't drafted. You know, that big-time agent lied to him. And now what? You know, it's interesting. At the first, at first sight, I figured, yeah, I just let the kid come back. But when you really look at it and analyze it, it's ridiculous because every guy, if he wants to know what his status is, he, the league is more than happy to give you all the information of where you are in terms of being evaluated by the league and, and allows you and your agent, you know, they, they project you in the fifth round, but your agent say, ah, now you'll be a second rounder for sure. Come out now, come out now. Well, who are you going to believe? Yeah. yeah. Who are you going to believe? So there's plenty of information for these guys to make an educated decision on this thing. The problem is a lot of these guys are being pushed either by relatives, a.k.a. fathers or agents, right? Of and course, so now – and they don't believe it. They don't believe – to me, it's, it's real simple. They don't believe what the league's telling them. They think they're going to get drafted higher than that, and they just in case they want to be able to come back. Well, I think that's just wrong. You know, you've, you've got enough to make an educated decision on this thing. And if you decide that you want to go, then go. But then you're going to have to live with that decision. What this is, it's just typical. It's you're, you're, they're addressing things that 
uh, really apply to a very, 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 very small minority uh, of the population of these student athletes. And, you know, it's a, a lot about nothing, really, I think. Yeah, we're talking about early entrant players out of college into the professional draft ranks. And now well, that's an interesting take, Mike. So you think it, the amount of people we're talking about is such a small minority that it's it's not even worth a discussion? Well, I don't think so. You know, yeah. and really the ones that want it, they don't believe what they're being told more than likely. Their ages probably. And then the other thing, Ron, that you have to think about is if this kid's got an agent and he wants to come out, nowadays, now 20 years ago this maybe wasn't the case, but nowadays generally that agent's into that kid with some money already. So now what do you do? Yeah. Yeah, this kid's right. already taking some money to work out and do all that kind of stuff, and now he changes his mind. Now what do you do with the money that's been given him? Now he's got to go back and play college football, but he's oh, been given some money. That's a problem. Yep, yep. And then the, these agents nowadays will do that because that's, every kid – Yeah, every kid – right, and that, that, that's, that's nothing new. That's been going on for a while. But every kid now, as soon as his senior year is over, he goes into a training facility of which – the agent usually pays for. But what a lot of these kids don't understand is that you're on the hook for this this training facility, just like you might be on the hook for whatever car he bought, whatever clothes he bought, whatever trips he gave you or whomever in your family. They don't understand that. That's all going to come with a big bill later on, regardless okay. of, like you're saying, of whether you get drafted or not, son. Yep. It's That's coming out problem. of your pocket one way or the other, and unless you're just a bust and you don't have, and then he's just got agents got to write it off. But I think 20, 30 years ago, it was fairly common. Now it's almost a given. Yeah. All these kids that are going into the draft, for the most part, have got an agent that's sending them someplace to work out. You know, very, very seldom does that not the case. So if they're, if they're in, if they got the hooks, if an agent's got his hook into this kid and he wants to come out, but then decides not, but he's giving them some money or taking, how do you address that? Yeah. Yeah. That's a topic that needs to be discussed. Definitely. So, all right, well, that's it. Anything else? No. Anything else on your mind you want to get off? Do it. No, I just worry <laughs> about college football. I really do. I, I, I'd love yeah. to see him play, but it's such a mess right now. There's, I wish right. that the NC2A was stronger. I wish that they could come in there and say, here, here are the guidelines. Here are the rules by we're all going to play by. Yeah. And I, I'm kind of with, with uh, Oklahoma there. I think push it back. There's no need to start now. Push yeah. it back as far back as you can. Give these kids a chance. And then everybody start together. Otherwise, it's going to be just a mess. Yeah, and you said you said about a month ago when we first started this, you said, well, they're going to need to have everything wrapped up and decided by June. And yes. we're getting close to June now. Yes. It's getting close. And I don't know how close we are to wrapping any of this up. It seems like there's more questions now than answers. No question. No question about it. You know, in the state of California with that state college, you know, like you said, now you're in the, the – thought that, they, hey, they, they're not playing. I didn't hear that. I heard just kind of the opposite. So that, that's, yeah. the pro, that's problematic right there. Why the, the NC2A doesn't come out and take a hold of this thing and say, here are the guidelines that we're going to operate by, I, I, I don't know. And then I heard SC, because now SC is private, they can uh, much easier, easier for them to pack up and, and perhaps go out of state. I've heard grumblings about them going to Arizona to start training, 
Whereas UCLA, they've got to get everything cleared from the UC system. See, so there's another dynamic, the private school versus the, the, the public school. Right. Stanford and SC take a hike to Arizona and then uh, Cal and UCLA, they got to stay there. Yeah, yeah, it's all in about the same money. in the same conference, right? Well, yeah. you know, it's the politics of it. That's yeah. why the NC two A's got to say enough's enough. Here's here's what we're going to do, guys, yeah. and hold them to it. Yeah, yeah, and we won't even talk about the network side of it. The Pac twelve network, if they think they can try to play football without two of the big schools in LA for ratings reasons, they might want to rethink that one as well. But we're, we're right. going to save that discussion because that'll be another forty minutes, and we don't have that time. And you've got uh, sprinklers to put in, and I've got stuff to do too. And that's it. We're out. Nice talking to you again, brother. All right, Ryan. <laughs> See you next week. And a thank you to everyone involved that helped us out with this Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network production. And, of course, our hotshot executive producer, Mr. Roy Hamilton. Thank you all. Love you guys. Now, don't forget to visit runitagainpodcast.com and make sure you hit that subscribe button. I'm Ron Pitts with the coach, Mike Marks. Hope you enjoyed this episode. And be sure and join us next week. We're going to discuss the country as it begins to slowly open up again. And maybe that means the return of pro sports. We'll see. Hey, just remember, we're just two old pros trying to make you think a little. Run it again with Ron Pitts and Coach Mike Martz. A Benstown and McVeigh Media Podcast Network's production. Executive produced by Roy Hamilton. Producer Ted Woods. And technical engineer is Kevin Horton. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Run It Again Podcast.